It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner, Living Worth Wealth Advisor, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond. We've got a great episode on the way today. We're talking about wacky stuff today. Wacky stuff. Wacky indicators and where we go from here. Yeah, what does a wacky indicator actually indicate or, or, or mean? Yeah, we're talking pretty out there things on today's show. Just to give you a preview. Lipstick, underwear, and romance. And mac and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Quite the uh, interesting teaser, I think. One that will maybe make you a little hungry and uh, also get us into some good talk about finances, the economy, and all sorts of good stuff. And Back by popular demand, we're going to answer some listener questions on today's show as well. Brian, good to be with you. How are you, my friend? Oh, uh, Walter, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit lost. I'm, I'm having a bit of a sound existential crisis here. An, an identity crisis? What's going on? Well, I sold my pizza oven. You sold your pizza oven. That I sounds did, very, yes. uh, very out of character. That's not good. Yeah, is, was, we're going to have to change the name of the show. It's not going to be "Make the Dough Rise" anymore if you're not making the dough. <laughs> we rise. have to, right? No, no. I sold the big wood burner, and uh, it was just taking up space, and I wasn't really likely to get it used anytime soon. So I found this really cool guy over in uh, Washington, Georgia. That he's got a food truck. He does smash burgers, and then he's thinking about potentially even opening up uh, like a pizza restaurant. Oh, over cool! There, so. I'll still have the uh, little Gosney gas-fired one on my on my porch, so we we won't be without okay. pizza. Uh, that's good stuff. Well, uh, f- bon voyage and uh, farewell, good old pizza oven. Well, hopefully it hasn't all been uh, bad news or, or kind of depressing after losing your pizza oven, Brian. Anything uh, anything good happening or anything out there on the horizon for you right now? Yeah, we we have actually achieved one of the uh, top possible ratings for the. Lake Oconee area, the Lake Oconee breeze has an annual, you know, best of episode or or issue and everybody votes for, you know, dentists and car washes and marinas and all the local stuff. But we won this year as best financial advisor for the Lake country 2022. And uh, yeah, I was really, really happy to see that. So you're, you're a best of, is this the uh, the first time you've been named best of something? Yeah, I've been nominated and uh, hit the, I guess, the the voting roster before. But this year it was all the uh, independent registered investment advisor, wealth management type, and fewer of the the retail. I think in the past, the the retail, Edward Jones and, and the like, they, they've got a lot more clients and you probably just got more votes. But in a true comparison to, uh, I would say, other financial advisors in our category. Uh, it was nice to see we actually topped that list. At the top of the list. Well, congratulations, the best financial advisor in the Lake Country 2022. As, uh, boy, fantastic to get that designation and that honor. So uh, congratulations, yeah, Brian. It. Yeah, very good. Thank and you. And big congratulations to Andrea, our behind-the-scenes producer here on the show as well. I know she's the one that's really doing all the work, Brian. You're just the, you're, Shh, you're, you're just the pretty face everybody. of the operation, you know. That's right. That's right. I'm the front man. That's right. The front man. I love it. Well, very good. So uh, new pizza oven may be on the horizon. That's something to look forward to one of these days. And then also best financial advisor in the Lake Country. Pretty cool. 
All right, so let's dive into today's conversation, Brian. Before we get to our listener questions, we want to talk about some indicators, and you pulled some wacky indicators for us. But let's talk about normal indicators first. Uh, What is an indicator? I mean, this is just something that's like trying to kind of like reading the tea leaves of the financial world to kind of see what's going to happen by looking at other things that are going on in the background or looking at other stats and seeing where that maybe tells us we're going to go. Is that a good layman's definition of an indicator? Yeah, sure. I, I, th- I think most indicators or measurements that people make are very quantitative. You know, we've had two quarters of economic contraction. That's, that's the definition of a recession. And we've done that. They're, they're trying to, again, alter that definition a little bit or, or, contest that we're actually in a recession because unemployment has remained so low. But, you know, there again, economic contraction, uh, employment or unemployment, what's happening with, uh, you know, any business cycle, business activity, you could measure it any number of of quantitative ways. So what I've found today is just some anecdotal and, uh, you know, maybe behavioral things that they've looked at and have over multiple uh, economic contractions and you know boom and bust cycles Th- these are some of the indicators that as odd as they may seem they they've actually been pretty good indicators of of what's happening out there so we'll we'll cover a few of those so instead of looking at like gross domestic product or interest rates or you know some of these more like you know government regulation fiscal policy indicators m1 m2 things, money supply velocity of yeah all those and, things instead of all that we're talking about the lipstick the underwear the romance and the mac and cheese and and maybe some other indicators out there I love it. I love it. So which one do you want to start with? Well, we'll take lipstick first. Okay. And this one's interesting because you would think that uh, lipstick, uh, cosmetics, and, and things like that might be something people would see as not necessary and would cut back on during a recession. But maybe, you know, the maybe maybe it's a smaller purchase or a kind of a affordable item that most people can obtain and acquire quickly. But Cosmetic and lipstick sales have typically gone up pretty dramatically, like like a forty eight percent spike uh, just in the first quarter of twenty twenty two. For it's a big spike for lipstick, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's it, and it held true uh, during the you know, previous pullbacks. It was even uh, true in nineteen twenty nine to nineteen thirty three during the Great Depression. And uh, anytime we have a pullback recession, uh, economic hard times, for some reason, lipstick and and makeup sales go through the roof. So there, there's a couple things that you can uh, do here to actually apply this. And one would be your stocks like Ulta, maybe Walgreens or some of the, the cosmetic stores or, or some of the bigger brand uh, you know, names if, if they trade individually and aren't, aren't part of a bigger conglomerate. Maybe an opportunity to actually we we normally look at like food and energy and, and some of those consumer staples as being very recession proof. I think we found a new one and that's uh would actually be a I don't know if you would call lipstick and makeup a luxury item, but you would you would think it would not be something that would be purchased more or increased demand for during economic hard times, but it's, it's yeah. just the opposite. So I'm trying it, to think of like, what would be, what would be the reasoning behind it? Like, okay. So if it's recession, maybe people aren't going out as much, but you would think that would mean you're not putting makeup on as much, but maybe you're like, all right, well, 
since I can't go out and have fun, I'll have fun in the house and still get dressed up and do stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm broke. I'm stuck at home and I can't afford to eat out. So darn, darn it, I'm going to look good if nothing else. So. Maybe. Yeah. Who I knows? mean, that's kind of opposite in our household. So it's like, uh, oh, we're, we're going to go out finally. And, and Connie's like, oh, I'll have to wear something other than sweatpants and put on some makeup finally. <laughs> so. or, 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 you know, maybe one other way to look at it would be if, if, if economic times are tough, maybe if you're looking for a job, trying to make better impressions, maybe maybe that's a as opposed to a new wardrobe, maybe you can just Ooh, you know touch maybe up. That's your point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. More people looking for jobs, and yeah, going on job interviews, putting on lipstick, more makeup makes a lot of sense. And uh, and, and, and and right now we've got this. They're, they're calling it the quiet resignation or the great resignation, but a lot of people are quitting their jobs and. If you are looking to job hop or job change, you can get a really uh, potential, big potential boost to income and, and responsibility and, and job status. So there's a lot of people out there making changes, even though they're not, they may be moving to a higher paying job and, and, and trying to take advantage of that. So I don't know. I'm just trying to might be onto something here, with like that one. And especially with our Zoom world now, you can theoretically have even more opportunities for interviews and things like that. Cause you could interview for more remote positions. You're not just limited geographically. So, you know, you theoretically could have uh, several interviews lined up one after another perhaps. And yeah. And, and looking good in the, the face is like, have you seen Kevin O'Leary? Uh, he, he broadcasts from all these, and he's one of the talking heads, obviously on yeah. the shark, MSNBC, one of the shark tank or, guys, really shark tank guy. Right. He sits in his, uh, you know, flowery flamingo print pajamas on the bottom. And then he's got a suit and tie up top because that's all the camera sees. Yep. So yeah, maybe, maybe we're onto something here. Not uncommon at all, for sure. All right, so that's the lipstick indicator. Very interesting uh, to hear about that one. All right, so what about the underwear indicator? Okay, so this one, and going back to 2008, when we were going into the the Great Recession, the Federal Reserve chairman pointed out, uh, it was Alan Greenspan, former uh, chair, told NPR that men tend to forego buying new underwear during a recession because it's less obvious to others when it's time for a new pair. You need clothes on the outside, but what's on the inside, you know, people aren't, aren't <laughs> seeing. So men's underwear sales going down, probably a pretty good indicator that we're in some sort of a recession. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. Huh. I, I try not to ever overlook the, uh, the need for good, fresh underwear. You know, I'll replace that before an old, an old shirt, I think. I'm, but I'm, well, I'm more and, about and, function than style. So. And you know what? To me, one of the cheapest easiest like little pick-me-ups for making life better socks underwear and t-shirts when you have like a new stack of of all those in in your closet i just feel better it feels like you've gotten this nice little upgrade and it's not that expensive so i I would have thought the opposite yeah yeah i would have as well so uh boy we're we're kind of wrong on both of these indicators at least to what rational or normal thought would be between the lipstick one and the underwear one so i don't know maybe they they are they are kind of contra yeah yeah a little bit contrary it's a popular belief, or at least our, our popular belief, Brian. Uh, all right, so then you have listed here a romance indicator, okay? Yeah, so th- this is a fun one and interesting because now we can track it more obviously because you've got companies like Match.com and all the online oh, dating. The apps and, and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, what we've seen is very strong fourth quarter earnings uh, or the strongest fourth quarter earnings in about seven years for match.com. So 
during the pandemic. Here, things like Bumble, Tinder, uh, of course, Match.com. They they all soared as singles started flocking to the apps while they were stuck at home. And I guess you know, the the point here is is maybe it was quarantine driven, maybe uh, economic and uh, slowdown driven, whatnot. But yeah, people still need relationships, connection, and we're, we're seeing a lot of activity spike because people are either if they're out of a job or you know quarantining or just working from home and not having some of the, the same interactions we've had. We've seen a big spike in um, in the online dating world, and I suspect that's you know, translates to, to to other dating sources and matchmaking and whatnot. But uh, Match.com and the data-driven companies that have metrics that they can measure volume, measure sales, all those types of things. So, you know, maybe another opportunity next time the recession rolls around, go go buy stock in the online dating companies. Very interesting to hear that as well. And that one does make a little bit more sense to me, but I could even still see a contrarian view on that one. You know, if you're in a recession and money's tighter, maybe you're not going out on as many dates and not doing going out to eat as much and those kinds of things. But I guess you can still go on dates and then just shift what you're doing. So you can just go to the park and do free things. So you can still have those relationships and that uh, those opportunities without the money being spent too. Well, and that, or maybe it dovetails with our next indicator. Okay. That's the, is that the Mac and cheese one? The Mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe for a first date, you're going for fro instead of going out for a gourmet pizza and champ, well, it, it's, it's champagne and, and on, on one side and then uh, frozen pizza, and Mac and cheese on the other. So, okay. So we have like a, a, we have like a, an interest rate and a bond value uh, relationship going on here between these two. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a, you know, when this goes up, that goes down type of thing. So, so on two sides of this, you've got champagne and, and uh, when prices go up and inflation, layoffs, whatever you've got going on. Champagne, Dom Perignon specifically for the, on the high end, they had huge spikes back in 99 and 2007 and actually recently in, in 2021. So you can tell when we're getting frothy and bubbly, get the pun there. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Um, champagne consumption spikes. And then as soon as things fall apart, we, we revert to the frozen pizza and mac and cheese. And so you're seeing a lot of um, increased purchasing of you know, these real low cost and, and I would argue probably not very healthy food options. And, and people are switching to store brands. They're, they're trying to save a nickel and, and dime wherever they can because they're, you know, obviously if you bought tank of gas lately or you know gone to the grocery store you're you're seeing all these daily you know cost of living type things have, have really spiked so everybody's doing what they can to to cut back and i guess go back to the college days so the usual disclaimers of uh you know this isn't financial advice blah 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 that kind of stuff but so if i'm thinking right now about some investments since we're kind of already in this pizza frozen pizza mac and cheese you know realm I'd want to be looking at maybe the champagne opportunities over the next couple of months for the you know the next run up and capitalizing on people celebrating future gains and that sort of thing. And then when the champagne sales are really high, that's when you're like, oh, all right, the top is in, champagne's popping everywhere. Time to go buy some frozen pizza and mac and cheese stocks at that point. Well, and, and yeah, that, so that's your sell indicator when champagne's uh, sales spike, right? Trim, take some gains, take a little money off the table, fortify your cash, uh, you know, get, get ready. And then when uh, despair kicks in, this correlates perfectly to the Warren Buffett quote. You know, when, when people are yeah. greedy, be fearful. And when, when people are fearful, be greedy. 
So our, our buy indicator is mac and cheese and frozen pizza, and our sell indicator is uh, high-end champagne. I love How's it, that? man. That's a, that's like, a, what, what do the kids say these days? That's like, a, you know, 4D chess you're playing right there with these, uh, with these wacky indicators. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Forget all this. You, you don't need to go get your uh, MBA or PhD in mathematics to do a quantitative analysis. Just, just look at Mac and G cells. Nice. All right. Well, not, not all indicators are wacky, right? And speaking of Buffett, you, you've even listed sort of a Buffett indicator here that uh, you kind of it just, was it just doing what Buffett does? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, this is going to bring it back down to uh, you know, something a little more practical and obviously a very trusted and successful source in, in investment advice and strategy and approach and all that. But yeah, he, the Buffett indicator is basically the total value of public equities divided by a country's gross domestic product. So, so you can think of it as a price to sales ratio for the entire country. And uh you know, it's it's a good way to just back up and look at the whole valuation. You know, are we overvalued? PE ratios are fine. Uh, and th- this is just another you know, quick ratio that Buffett has out there to say, what's the measurement? Where are we at? How's it changed? And does that make it a potentially buy or, or sell out opportunity? Because that would then flow through to the valuations, you know, very high valuations uh, might be a good time to to sell. Like the uh, champagne indicator, is there a counter to the to the Buffett indicator? Well, so if you're if you're a short term trader, the one that I have um, been following, but uh, just just curious about, I, I call it the Pelosi indicator. And if you've paid any attention to the news or the headlines, Nancy Pelosi's husband seems to make all these very well timed trades based on what miraculously some big pieces of legislation come through that are going to support uh, the chip industry or defense industry, whatever it may, drug industry. Uh, so anyway, just a lot going on with what her husband is doing and and, and not just her specifically. There, there's a lot of uh, what I would categorize as insider trading amongst members of Congress because it's not illegal for them to trade on the information that they get, which is a crime in my in my eyes, but um, it's legal and and they're they're able to do it. And so the most recent one was the big position he took in Nvidia as they were voting on the the Chips Act, which which then went through. But then right after he acquired a massive stake in Nvidia, he and it ran up. It had a little run up. All of a sudden, he sold sold and, and cleared out his position. And it turns out there was a piece of. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's actual legislation, but a, just a restriction on selling certain chips to China. And that would, of course, hurt NVIDIA because they have the real high-end uh, processing chips. And I think they were tied to like AI, artificial intelligence and, and defense and type things like that. And uh, NVIDIA had a nice 15, 20% pullback and he'd managed to get out right before that. So, you know, follow Follow those in the know if you want to trade, and if you want to invest for the long term, follow your Warren Buffetts. Yeah, it's a really good uh, contrast between those two. Since we're back on the topic of more serious indicators, what other things do you, do you keep an eye on, or at least do you, do you, you kind of uh, at least you know keep an ear out for, or want to keep on your radar? Uh, maybe you're not necessarily making huge decisions on these things uh, on them alone, at least, but just other things that catch your eye. Yeah, the, the ones that have been catching my eye lately are the strong dollar. Uh, we're at parity with the uh, euro, 
You know, so basically a euro and a dollar are uh, trading one for one. And the even more telling one is the uh, a British pound is at, I think, 1.15 to the dollar. And every time I've ever traveled over there, it's been as high as you know, 1.6, 1.7 per uh, pound sterling. And you know, maybe at a low end, 1.3 to 1.4. And, and we're all the way down to 1.15. One five, the last time I saw it, and so if you want to go, if you're if you're looking to go to to Europe or uh, England in particular, man, the dollar is so strong. Now's the time to to do it. If you've if if you're okay with the the state of travel and COVID and and all those kinds of things, if if you can get past all of those issues, looks like a really good time to be buying and traveling to to Europe. And the other one is the the slowdown that we're seeing in in China, there's been a dramatic decrease in demand amongst Chinese consumers. And so China is having to discount the prices of a lot of the goods that they're sending abroad and exporting. And so we're actually beginning to see some lower prices. Uh, so, so this strong dollar is helping Americans and U.S. stocks. There's, there's money flowing into uh, treasuries. There's money flowing into U.S. stocks because there's a lot of problems in in the eurozone, uh, England in particular. They've got a lot of uh, issues going on there economically. New prime minister coming in. You know, I don't I don't have any deep insights here, but those are just things that I would keep an eye on and and see how they impact. There's so many moving parts right now. It, it's hard to to tell what the outcome's going to be. So anyway, I'm just just trying to poke under the hood and find some other things to to watch and monitor to uh, see if you can get some clarity or, or or at least find some correlations for the future. Lots of good ones there, Brian. Uh, we have some listener questions we want to get to on the show today. Any more indicators you want to touch on before we uh, flip the page to those? Real quick, I just want to point out what, what's hap- happening with energy potential Ooh. energy crisis. California has been in the news big time. That's for sure. California, uh, Europe, Germany in particular. And we've had, you've heard me talk about ESG and, you know, the global warming crowd and, and, um, the environmental sustainability and governance metrics that a lot of investors and, and big investment management companies are trying to impose on corporations for access to capital, for putting their shares in their funds. Uh, I, I just think it's a terrible, terrible metric. And it's it's become more of a political thing than an economic business type of measure. But what you're seeing is Europe's going to have a major gas shortage because Russia has cut off that uh, Gazprom pipeline. And, and, and they're basically saying no more gas uh, for Europe until the, the sanctions are lifted. Yeah, and that's 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 a weapon they have, and they can they can certainly use it. But at the same time, we have cut off or basically done no additional gas leases under the Biden administration. We've had the lowest, you know, federal lease uh, land for oil and gas exploration in fifty years under under Biden. So we're we're rolling into this energy crisis and energy shortage, and we could very easily crank up production and provide affordable gas for for major parts of the world. And natural gas has actually been one of the things that has allowed us to reduce carbon emissions. So if, if you're for the environment, you should be looking at natural gas, uh, probably nuclear, and 
and of course all your your green wind and and solar and all that th- those things are fine for for some portion of the of the grid but if you don't have a reliable affordable substitute that you can kick on when needed what we're seeing now is germans are stockpiling wood getting ready for winter well so all of these esg requirements all of the push for you know climate clean green uh, environmental and i'm all for not polluting but i just think we've gone too far with this and and so instead of having nuclear which produces no carbon and natural gas which is dramatically lower than coal and, and oil and things like that and now wood we're going to be burning major major parts of the world are going to be burning wood this winter because they can't get enough gas and uh, affordable electric to heat their homes through the winter. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how, how people react to that, if that causes a change. Well, we are seeing a change in policy. A lot of nuclear reactors that were being shut down are being reactivated. A lot of gas storage facilities that were being decommissioned, they're reviving refineries. So there's kind of this pedal backpedal to some of these previously vilified energy sources uh, because the green and the wind and the solar things, and then you know the reliance on a a country like Russia for your you know, major part of your energy sources is, is, is not working out very well. And then we're seeing the same thing in California. California has always led the way with better, cleaner regulations. They've they've for years put out new regulations and requirements for emissions on vehicles. And as they put out those regulations, everybody, car industry and, and whatnot said, oh, we can't do that. It's not going to be possible. And with, with time, they've improved their efficiency, improved their technology, and, and have been able to meet them. But Gavin Newsom wants to have no uh, gas-powered car sales. Is, is it 2030 or 2035? It seems like 2035. Maybe I think 35. That's what, what the memory bells are bouncing around in my head the saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's down the road, but, uh, you know, in, as far as making a major change to a new technology like that, it can happen quickly if the new alternative is better and cheaper. I don't think we're there yet with electric vehicles. And if you don't have a clean source of generating electricity, these are going to just be coal-powered cars. It's actually going to be worse than than uh, than running gasoline. Well, there you have it. Uh, great discussion on some some you know more normal indicators, some interesting things Brian's keeping an eye on. But then also, uh, I loved going over those wacky indicators earlier in the show as well. So uh, pretty neat to have kind of this fun, zany uh, mix of information along with these uh, kind of a little bit more tried and true, tested type conversations. But fun to always uh, kind of spice up the conversation with uh, the things you bring to the table, Brian. Always love it when you take us in these unique directions. Uh, Speaking of taking us in unique directions, one other element I love doing here on the show when we get the opportunity is to answer listener questions. So let's open up the mailbag. We've got two that we can feature on 
on today's show. We're going to start off in Macon with a question from Norman. By the way, if you want to submit a question to be featured on a future episode of the show, you can do that by going to livingworth.com and just submit a question through the website, livingworth.com. Norman says, I'm almost 60, Brian, and don't have any money in Roth IRAs. Should I be converting some IRA money to Roth for the next few years? Great question, obviously, and then yeah, I'm a big advocate and proponent of Roths. Uh, but I would say, if, you know, someone who's 60 may be, if they're not retired yet, they may be in their peak earning years. And so doing Roth conversions of existing IRAs could actually create more taxable income at a time when it's it's probably going to kick you into a higher tax bracket. Uh, so it may, may not be the best time to do that. I would look at waiting until you retire, but before you start social security claiming, if there's some years in there, you could potentially do some Roth conversions. My suggestion would be go ahead and check with your employer and see if they have a Roth 401k option. More and more companies and employers are offering these now and just use your wages and the big window that you have for uh, 401k contributions. I think we're up to if you do the standard and the catch-up contribution, I think you can get up to about $26,000 per year. So use that window, use the wages that you've got coming in to fund a big chunk of, of um, Roth you know, balance in, in your 401k. That would not, you'll, you'll pay tax on the contribution, but it doesn't increase your taxable income like doing a Roth conversion would. So great way to get some money in there. Use that window uh, but don't drive your your income up at at this stage. And, and obviously, everybody's situation can vary. But uh, that's my advice. Yeah, some good starting conversation there for you, Norman, to hopefully point you in the right direction. Good question. Again, go to livingworth.com if you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show. And you can always get into more detail and get customized advice by setting up a time to visit with Brian one-on-one. That can happen as well at livingworth.com. Just click book a call. Uh, Barb in Greensboro has our final question of the episode. Barb says, this is a second marriage for both me and my husband. We file a joint tax return, but we keep all other financial matters separate. Is that okay, or should we be doing things differently? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of this lately. You know, people lose a spouse, or maybe they've been single for a while and are are remarrying later in life. Oftentimes, where both people are bringing considerable assets, portfolios, pensions, social securities, all that together. And I think what what Barb's doing here is is right. You can definitely keep your finances separate. Let your IRAs and you know control your beneficiary designations so that they go where, you know to where you want to go unless the new spouse is going to need those assets uh, then then you can set up some uh, type of access or a trust where they have them for you know some basic expenses but not have to leave them all to or you know you don't have to merge them all into a, a joint account and, and same thing with brokerage accounts you can keep yours uh he can keep his but by filing jointly you're getting the higher standard deduction and uh you know brackets that, that couples get so it's more favorable uh to to file jointly and I don't think you have a you know, married filing separate. I, I don't think in most situations is going to be more advantageous. There, there may be an occasional one, 
But uh, yeah, no, I, th I think they're doing the right thing and you know, do, do that joint tax return. Your dividends and income and IRA distributions all flow into the marriage as, as one and it can all go on your, your tax return and, and it'll be better for you tax-wise. Just sit down and make a really good plan about who needs the assets. If, if, you, know, if you have separate children uh, from, from the previous marriages and things like that, you probably want your assets to go to your children and he'd want his assets to go to his children. And that can still absolutely happen. Uh, you can use the beneficiary designations. You can retitle brokerage accounts to transfer on death, or you could set up a trust to provide you know, some lifetime uh, re remainder support for the surviving spouse, but then the money would ultimately pass to the kids. So yeah, I, th I think uh, Barb's got it right here. Really good questions there, Barb. And whenever it comes to taxes, you know, a lot of people get a little bit nervous. They get a little bit, uh, I don't know, they're just a feeling out of their depth, perhaps a little bit, Brian, just because tax conversations can, can be difficult. It can be hard to see the opportunities that rely or, or that lie in tax planning. But I know that that is an area where if somebody is struggling to maybe put their financial goals in order, to prioritize them, to figure out investment management, or if it's on that tax conversation, uh, kind of that Barb just touched on a little bit there. That's where you step in. That's where you help out a little bit. And I know that you've devised some really cool ways to get ahead of tax complexity. Um, and you've got this awesome tool that you use with clients and pretty, pretty neat thing. If you've been listening to today's show and you've stuck around long enough, you are in luck because we've got a great deal for you. Brian, tell people a little bit about your tax snapshot session what it covers if they want to uh, inquire a little bit further. Sure. Well, we have spent a considerable amount of time looking at taxes, talking about taxes, but we have added a great new tool that allows us to dig a little deeper, go into a more thorough analysis uh, of all data points on your tax return, highlight where tax traps are as far as the taxability of Social Security, increased capital gains taxes, uh, increased Medicare supplement premiums, all those hidden things. And we've, we've talked about them before, but we're able to, to do this now at a more thorough and probably a little bit faster rate than in the past with, with some enhanced software and, and uh, computer calculation programs that we've got. So all my clients are getting this. And I've had clients that I've had for a long time that we run them through and maybe we find a small opportunity. Maybe we still find some big opportunities. It's always interesting to, to see. But we're, I'm going to offer for non-clients who want to see what we can do, what we can offer, where we can go beyond just the, the standard portfolio and, and performance numbers, an opportunity to do this tax snapshot. I would say you know $500 would be a, a very reasonable price for this type of analysis. For listeners... If you call in, set an appointment, I will do it for $250 and you provide a copy of the tax return and we'll do about a one hour uh, review session of it. If you've got questions and develop a strategy around it, great opportunity to engage, try us out. And uh, if we can't find anything for you, there's no charge. Love it. That's a pretty nice uh, setup right there. So again, that is to get that tax snapshot session with Brian. And Brian, you don't have to be an existing client to engage with you and talk about this, right? Just anybody who's maybe listened to the show before, thought a little bit about their financial situation, they can take advantage of this snapshot session. Absolutely. Yeah, this this is something that uh, 
that can just truly stand alone. Obviously, it, it overlaps and begins to integrate with other aspects of your financial life and when you claim and do things. But great place to start. You can try us out, see if if we can really add value to your situation and uh, yeah, no obligation if not. And uh, even if you just take the analysis and, and try to implement it yourself, uh, I think it's a, it's a fantastic tool. I just I want everybody to have it. Okay. If you want to take advantage of that and get your own tax snapshot session with Brian, all you have to do is go to livingworth.com and click book a call. That's it. Just go to livingworth.com, click book a call or give a call the old fashioned way to 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. And when booking your session, just mention that you want to take advantage of that tax snapshot session. If you just, even if you can't remember the name of it, you can just say the the, the tax thing. I want to do the tax thing. The tax thing, thing yeah. <laughs> and Brian will know what you're talking about. So yeah, that's very easy to get in touch. Again, livingworth.com and click book a call or 706-451-9800. Boy, great detail on today's show, Brian. This was a fun one. I, it won't be, uh, it'll be a long time before I forget the lipstick and the mac and cheese and the uh, the champagne indicators and the other ones we talked about on today's show. Very memorable. I'm, I'm glad we could elevate your uh, I feel smarter, market yeah. reading capabilities. That's, that's good. Got a little bit smarter today. You have me inspired to go see if I can create some of my own wacky and, and and because i'm a w i could be walter's wacky indicators or something like there that. there you go you know? there we go i can i could brand that make it make it something fun tm trademark there you go we'll trademark it love it uh well thank you brian we appreciate it and we'll look forward to talking to you on the next episode everybody else as well have a good one and we'll talk to you again soon right back here on make the dough rise Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.